You're very, very welcome to a very special episode of The Beautiful Game. You've probably already noticed this, uh, but we're in a very different surroundings and than usual. Uh, unfortunately, we're not in our state-of-the-art studio on campus at the moment due to the big bad world, really, and uh, coronavirus. But we said we'd have to give the fans the content. You've been asking for it. Here we are. I'm delighted to say I'm joined, as always, uh, by James O'Donovan. How are you, sir? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not in your physical presence, but I can still feel your authority coming across here on, on screen to me. Yeah, unfortunately, you're still, you can still see my you can still see my physical presence if I'm not there in front of you. Unfor- you have the unfortunate uh, fortune of seeing me still uh, via, via Zoom meeting. So uh, that's your cross to bear. But luckily for our listeners, they get to hear us rather than see us. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's um, it's just it's a, an interesting time. Who knows when we'll get back in? But we we said, look, we're we're there's still sport going on. So that's the one kind there of is. that's kind of one distraction that uh, we can um, use to get through the next weeks and who knows maybe months ahead. We have to wait and see. But we're not here to talk about what's going on in the real world. We're here to talk about 2021, and we've decided. You know what we're going to do? We're going to call. The sporting year 2021 there's so much to get into so many uh, sporting events that were postponed from 2020 that are going to be going ahead and uh, I just I can't wait to see it all unfold so we're going to let you know uh, what we're thinking we're going to predict all the big winners and maybe losers uh, over the next 45 minutes or so so I can't wait to get into it we're going to start um, with the rugby because the first major sporting event of the year uh, will be getting underway next month the RBS or the Guinness Six Nations actually um, getting underway and uh, James what are you thinking is it England's lose I'm going France interesting interesting I'm going with France and I'll tell you my reasoning it's that uh France, well, they always have a good record against England in Six Nations, and um, they're just a young, up-and-coming side. They're really building towards the World Cup that they host in 2023. And I think with players such as Intermac at uh, number 10. I'm not even yeah, sure brilliant. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he is a real prospect. I love watching him, yeah. And um, at the end of the last Six Nations, um, much belated and dragging on in, I think it was Halloween, I think it finished, actually. Um, and uh, Ireland played France, I think, in the pro- or actually in the last fixture of the whole tournament uh, in Paris. And I just thought that um, France just had that extra bit of flair that Ireland and we'll make it on to Ireland later on. But um, Ireland certainly lacked that cutting edge, and just France. I suppose when even France, when French teams struggle, they still have that ability to just turn it on at the drop of a hat. And um, this French team seems to be getting more and more consistent and building and building and I think this could be their year maybe to take Six Nations if their government allow them their government to have other ideas if Six Nations will even go ahead or not but um, if it does go ahead I, I see them as the winners That's very interesting because they're definitely the, probably the most exciting team That's to watch now in world rugby like the young as you said Intermac for um, and that's just one player to pick out their soulmate there um, you have like it's just the, the strength and depth that they're building um, towards next World Cup. They have a new um, head coach in there then as well, and Fabien Galtier, who's a legend in French rugby, a former scum half, and he's got them really well organised. They've also got Sean Edwards in there, um, the former Welsh um, great as well, and a def- uh, in at defensive coach. And he's brought a real kind of structure and discipline to the game, where in, in the past, as you said, they can turn it on like a flick of a switch, but also... The, their discipline was the area. Maybe their fitness, their conditioning. You know the way. You know the French lifestyle is. Is that something that was holding them um, back in the past? And you got some exciting players like Vakatawa um, and others as well. There, that are just really. Um, they're they're going to be Teddy Tama as well of Rassi Metro. So they're going to be exciting to watch. But I take that on board. I, I did go for England, and the reason, two reasons, Tell I me. went for England. Tell me why. Go on. The first reason is France have to go to Twickenham. And this year's Six Nations and the French record away from home in general but especially going to Twickenham is diabolical I can't remember the last time 
they've gone there and won. I, I, it actually, I just can't. It definitely hasn't been in the, since I've been watching rugby. They've never gone to Twickenham and won. So that was one reason why I, um, I went for England. I was just think England. They're kind of in their prime right now. Eddie Jones, he's been there since 2016. They're settled. They're a settled team. While France are still building, you know, they're still only getting better. I think in maybe next year or in two years' time, but or by the time the Rugby World Cup comes around, I think France will definitely be at the England's level. They could potentially even be better. And what? But one thing I think that is a positive for French rugby fans is they, in the Autumn Nations Cup. In the final, it was at the the game between England and France. I took them. England only won after extra time. France should have won that game uh, if it wasn't for a shocking refereeing decision. And they had a second string team out because there was a contract dispute between the top fourteen clubs, uh, kind of rugby officials, French rugby politics. It's it's a disaster uh, over there. So they were only allowed play. I think three out of four games. Just the, the fact that the rugby clubs clubs over there are so powerful. So the fact they could put out a weakened team and still go toe-to-toe with England is something um, for them to uh, to definitely build on. I definitely think they're an exciting team. I just think, as I said, This England, one will just come around this, this, this time. Just a little bit too soon. Yeah. Even if it was in Paris, I'd, I'd nearly say, yeah, France, but I just yeah, think... Yeah, that. Yeah. Even then, even the, then the case we made for Ireland, I suppose, is it's in Ireland's better year, I think, of the two years of the kind of way that the fixtures fall. I think they have England and France at home, which is always a big, big bonus. I think if Ireland were to get a win against them, they play Wales in their first fixture. And if they can beat Wales in in Cardiff, um, that would be a big statement, and maybe they could kick on. But I just didn't. I don't see them at the same level as, as England and France based on their performances last year. Anyway, I think so. We're very much in, um, you know, tra- transition at the moment. I, I would transition. think third, probably. You'd expect us to be Wales, I think, because they're just a disaster at the moment. And especially, yeah. okay, away from home at the Millennium Stadium, but no fans there probably. Um, you know, it's not going to be as a terrifying a place, I think, to go and play in as it think, was in recent years. Yeah, I think the point has been made as well that it's going to be a Lions tour year. So definitely uh, if there was any added motivation needed for any Ireland players or England players, or Welsh, Scottish, <laughs> you name them all, all the home nations. Um, if, there, if there was any need for added motivation, then that can certainly serve as a chance to earn your place on the, the plane to South Africa if that gets the green light to go ahead, which I assume you probably will. Definitely. And that's just a, a sign of what this year promises because the I think the Lions tour is already going under the radar a small bit with everything mm-hmm. that's going on with um, you know the the Olympics. The you know we've just so much we'll get through over the next while, and I can't wait to get into it. Sticking with rugby, and uh, we've got the Champions Cup as well. Um, it's funny, like even it it just seems that like even when the Irish, the national team doesn't go so well, the provinces do seem to always really run run the the competition close. You know, in Europe, they're always they always turn up. I think we take it. More seriously than, than other countries, like the top 14 is so prestigious in France and the Guinness Premiership as well. Like there's so much um, money at stake there. I mean, like it's just um, a competition where Irish teams seem to excel in regardless of the external factors. Yeah, I think consistently our, um, the Irish provinces across the board are very competitive uh, in Europe. I know it's been a while since Munster won the ultimate honour um, but they're always there thereabouts invariably they're always at a quarterfinal or semi-final stage while Leinster are the more recent winners Ulster also probably at the kind of same level as Munster in previous years they're thereabouts kind of semi-finals quarterfinals um, Exeter Chiefs are defending champions from uh, England while also you have like contenders like I think Toulouse and La Rochelle who Ron O'Gara is involved with um, I think they'll be Really big contenders in where determining where it goes. Um, but the final two rounds of pool fixtures were canned by the ERC um, last week or the week before after the statement by the French government, which left left them with no, op- no other option but to cancel them. And now it looks like the next round will be in April. I think they're going to be played off pretty quickly in three or four weeks. They're going to move to a last 16. Um, and I was just looking at it um, from how it shapes up. 
actually wasn't aware how, how actually the extent of how well Munster and Leinster were doing in their respective moves. Munster had a very impressive win uh, before Christmas against Clermont Vern, which is one thinking back even when Munster were like at the at the very, very top of months of um Europe. They they couldn't go they couldn't go and win in France. Like but to, they won there this year, which was a real statement victory and just a sign of how strong the Irish provinces are. Um um, judging by what I can make out about the standings where it looks like I think Munster could be playing host to Claremont Vern if they went to the last 16 I, I don't know could there, could there be a draw but based on rankings which is generally what they go off for their traditional quarterfinals I think they could be playing Claremont Vern again at home do you think um, I, that, I, that remains to be I'm just wondering actually on that like what did they say I, I've been seeing like on this kind of the same as you, I'm kind of in the dark how they're going to do the draw. Are they going to maybe play? Maybe it could be a team from the other pool as well. Maybe that yeah, might be the other I, option. I I, like, yeah, I don't sorry. know. Sorry. And they um, they said they'd be making a statement about it this week, but just going off like their website and stuff, it's like they'd split pool A and pool B into one like large section. Yeah. And um, with all the teams uh, in each pool and then ranking them according to their points, combining pool A and pool B. And I think Leinster were like second on that list, maybe or something. And then you had Pool C and Pool D, which included Munster and Ulster. I think Ulster would actually just miss out on based on the rankings. They'd miss out on getting into the last sixteen, which would be a big blow for them. Um, but Munster, based on that system now, whether they follow it or not, is another thing. It looked like they could be playing Claremont River, which actually I think that has happened before anyway in the old system. Mm-hmm. In that a pool winner, if the best runner up, is also in their pool, and if Say if you win your pool with the best score overall out of all the pool winners, and you're number one in the rankings of the eight pools, and then the best runner up is number eight, you could play the same team you played already in the quarterfinals. So it wouldn't be unheard of to play the same team you played in your pool in the next, in the first knockout round. But um, it remains to be seen what the um, Champions Cup governing body decide on how that will be run off. It remains to be seen, but certainly, certainly uh, optimism there for the Irish provinces if you're a Munster and Leinster fans. And is that related to your predictions or who have you decided to go for? Oh, like the heart would have to say Munster, I guess, in the to dig up some some of the some of the glory days. But um no Toulouse I think going very strong in the uh, Pro fourteen. So I think they'd be um they'd take a serious serious amount of beating and uh Lara Shell with Ron O'Gara, another man uh one of my heroes growing up, I guess. Um, so it'd be great to see him do well as well. But I, if Munster and La Rochelle met now, that would be a good final. I wouldn't mind you one then. Box office, <laughs> box office, that's for sure. And uh, Munster have a history of welcoming home ex um, legends like Zebo coming back uh, regularly or wrestling. They seem to play each other every year. I think avoiding the likes of Racing and yeah. maybe Toulouse, hopefully, for until at least the knockout stages or at least the latter stages would be a welcome uh, relief. I think that the knockout, the one-off kind of games will suit Munster as well, especially if you can play at home in Tolman Park. Even if there isn't a crowd there, I still think it it would um, definitely benefit them. I've decided to go with Toulouse. I just think they're so exciting to watch. In Cheslin Colby, they have one of the best players on the planet right now. If, if anyone hasn't seen him play, he's a South African winger. He lit up the Rugby World Cup in 2019 and he's lighting up the top 14 at the moment and Europe as well. He's just an absolute joy to watch. He had the likes of Entomac, he's there as well. And they've so many players. They've an embarrassment of riches, really. And I, I would like to see them do quite well because they are one of the aristocrats of European rugby. They're kind of like the Real Madrid of uh, mm. European uh, club rugby, so I would certainly like to see them um, yeah. do We've well. We've seen some of the pretenders, I guess, the last few years. Um, maybe some of the ones that uh, we wouldn't have associated with European dominance. I know Leon, who I, I don't think I'd really heard of, only a, a passing rugby rugby fan, as some people might have judged by my comments here. But um, <laughs> Leon was a cl- Leon was a club I I wasn't really sure even existed until maybe the last year or two. But they've had success in Exeter. Uh, probably going off the back of Saracens, um, well-funded, um, well-funded successes in Europe. I suppose they cashed in on on that as well. Um, but no, Toulouse. I suppose going back to uh, last fifteen years, twenty years, even they've been one of the the teams that are always there thereabouts. You'd actually, I only looked it up recently, but uh, Beeritz are 
like one of those Tlehana teams you think of, they're not even in the top 14 anymore. So you just see how things can change over time. Yeah, I can't wait to see in a way how it plays out over the next uh, few months. And the sport could definitely do with a couple of showpiece events. So hopefully it won't disappoint. Uh, we're going to move on though. And we're going to move on to the, well, the I was, I was going to say the small ball, but uh, more the, it, it, it escapes me. I was never good at science in school. So, but uh, <laughs> anyway, on to soccer. And we're going to start with affairs across the water. And uh, the Premier League is delicately poised this year. Um, it could shape up to be one of the most intriguing and closely fought uh, title races in recent years. Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's great, really. Um, coming from last year where we had like just runaway leaders, where like even when COVID came back, it was great to have the soccer back, but you, it was Premier League you knew was done and dusted. Like Liverpool had a one and City were going to finish second, and that was it. All right, there was a bit of there was stuff to be sorted out for the relegation teams or whatever, but other than that, it was pretty much a damn squid in regards to like competitiveness. Uh, a lot of the latter games were very much like there were enough affairs and there wasn't much on the line. Liverpool were kind of throwing out any old team, whereas now there's, um, when I looked at it today, there was five points between the top six, which is like, that is just makes for brilliant viewing. Like you're going out, I don't know, are they all as bad as each other or as good as each other? That remains to be seen. But um, there, it's it's an absolutely wide open title race at the moment. I suppose if I was to pick one, I think Man City are probably my pick for it. Uh, on, yeah, you'd be happy to hear that now, given your tight <laughs> side of the city. But um, you're going well as well at the moment. So I think the last time United were in this position at this time of year was back when you uh, had Ferguson at the helm and indeed won it that year. I think it was 2012-13 season. So um, if history was to repeat itself, maybe you'll be smiling come come the end of May. But um, I think uh, Man City are probably my pick. I just think they have, even with the loss of Aguero, who hasn't played that much this season, I think they're just still um, doing enough. They still have the mat, like, still have just more quality in their team with the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and um, his, or Jesus and uh, Mares, just to name a few. But they just seem to be like, I think they've won their last four or five games in a row and they're just even players like John Stones, who was like you know, he's he's career, man. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just been reborn this season. And uh, actually might be rambling off now one, but I, I read in the uh, the Times this weekend um David Walsh said that uh, one of the things that he thought made the league more even this year is that lesser players played better with um the smaller with no crowds, in that it's a it's a leveler. In that, um, you know, big players usually can handle the big occasion better, and that smaller teams and smaller are able to take points off because they're not afraid. Like a team going to Old Trafford or going to the Etihad, it before might have been overawed by not even just playing in front of a big crowd, but playing in front of a big crowd coupled with playing against Sergio Real and all these characters. Um, but they're going there this year with kind of no fear because it's not really like playing at home. You don't have the full home advantage. And that's why you're seeing it more even. But then you're seeing lesser players. If you want to, apologies, John Stone probably being called a lesser player. But you see play, see players who maybe were struggling with the pressure on them, maybe coming in on big transfer tags, um, and are now finally starting to maybe hit the ground running a few years after they've arrived. And he was just putting forward the idea that it was because there's just less pressure on them, even though there's probably huge audiences at home and around the world still watching, but there's no physical like presence still watching. And that's just freeing them and just taking a lot of weight off their shoulders. You know, if they miss a ball and there's not, you know, a thousand people screaming and effing and blinding them, you know, it's it's just more, it's just easy, easier to get over those kind of things. And then you're just, um, yeah, you're, you're just seeing the benefits of players who maybe can't handle the occasion as well. And they're just growing and growing. But um, to come back to it, I think Man City. After my after my long going off on the tangent, uh, Man City, <laughs> they they they're my pick this year. Yeah, that you make a really good point, though. It is a very interesting point about the fans, and um, it, it's something I think that, as you said, is is reflected in the in the standings as well. And that's maybe a reason why Liverpool haven't, you know, coupled with their injury concerns, 
the aura of Anfield, the fortress you haven't lost there in, in, in nearly four years. It's 68 games, I think they were beaten after um, Sunday's draw. Um, that's got to be something maybe uh, as well that, okay, they might be losing games at Anfield, but they're not killing teams inside the first 20 minutes, yeah. half an hour, like they yeah. usually do. But I've also um, gone with Man City as well. Unfortunately, the, yeah, the head has ruled the heart for once with me. I I want to maybe to the romantic in me, of course. Ollie at the wheel, you know, the first time since Fergie. <laughs> he's all Fergie's always on about if you're in contention after Christmas, top of the league, um, after the Christmas break, then you're in pole position. But I just don't think United are there yet. No United fan, and I mean literally no one, not even the most optimistic of United fans, thought we'd be in a title race this season. That we'd be doing well to make top four again, keep building. We need a couple more players, especially defensively, and we're a centre-back. Wouldn't go miss. Missing out on Jaden Sancho. Even after the, the the transfer window, a lot we thought it was a terrible transfer window. Like We didn't re- we were signing a 33-year-old free agent who we thought was only coming here for the money, but in fairness, Edison Cavani, he's done decent up to now. But yeah, Man City for me as well, just because... They seem the most settled of squads, even though, okay, Aguero has been missing quite a lot. They still have their big players, as you said, um, De Bruyne, Mares, Ruben Diaz has been a fantastic signing for them as well from Benfica. He's been brilliantly defensive um, player and they just seem like a really solid, well-oiled machine at the moment. They're not as gung-ho, but they're still very measured in what they do and it, it suits the likes of De Bruyne. They can boss midfield Fernandinho I mean he's in in his mid-30s and he's been he's like a fine wine getting better with age and Pep has learned from his mistakes of the last couple of years getting caught by Leon in the Champions League getting caught by United in the league and in cups etc and I just think they're best best position right now to go on and to win the league and they're kind of peaking Um, we've heard a lot of the players um, talk about how they've kind of tailored themselves towards this uh, period of the season to really get their campaign underway. And I think they're just going to peak now over the next couple of months and they'll slowly but surely uh, create enough of a gap, enough breathing space to see them home um, this season. For United, I think top four, possibly third, second, sorry. Maybe not even third. Maybe we could get ahead of Liverpool if they see things kind of not happy for them. They might try and, and um, focus more on the Champions League. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But I guess um, we be- that's a nice segue into the Champions League. I This was one of the ones I really had trouble with. Like, there is no team out there making the case to say, we are going to take this by the scruff of the neck. We're going to take it by the bull by the horns and we're going to go out there and win this thing. This was definitely the most difficult one, probably for me. What about you? Um, I thought it was pretty straightforward. I was saying Bayern Munich all the way. Okay, okay, interesting. <laughs> um, no, I just think defending champions. Um, obviously a lot will hinge on the draw, but I think um they're going well enough in the Bundesliga. They're not setting the world alight. Alight, I think they're five points clear of Leipzig in the Bundesliga, and I just think. Do you have things sewn up at home, which I think they will be by the time this uh, Champions League rolls around again to the business end, they'll invariably have their their business done at home and they can focus on Europe. And that often blends into a very successful team. Like they were just head and shoulders above everyone when it when it mattered last year. They uh, they battered the competition. They hammered Chelsea, um, and they beat PSG. PSG will be an interesting one there with Pochettino and they play Barca in the next round so that'll be a very good tie to keep an eye on and will Messi want to go out on a on a high note there's a lot of intriguing ties really like you can never really rule out Real as well um, they just seem to be the masters of the uh, Champions League what are they at uh, 11 at this stage maybe 12 11 I think and Zidane at the helm like he's just um, he's I think just, he's even more yeah. I think it's a it's a Thirteen, because remember they won, they won the tenth in twenty fourteen, then they won three on three in a row. If memory serves me correctly, I, yeah, I think so, they've even yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Thanks for clearing that up. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, you can never really rule out them. Then Atletico are going very well in La Liga, and they're currently top 
with I think two games in hand and they're four yeah. points clear of Barca yeah. and Real. And they beat Sevilla, I think, last week in convincing certain Sevilla had been going very well. So um Simeone, I think they they lost one final to Real at the start of that uh, campaign with Zidane winning three in a row. I think Atletico lost one of those finals to them. So finally uh, Simeone could uh, bring a, bring Atletico to the promised land. Um so they they actually take on Chelsea next back. That'd be a tricky one for uh, Frank Lampard, who's struggling in the league as well. Uh, Liverpool, they play Leipzig, probably last season's surprise package. Um, and if they don't arrest their 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 poor run over Christmas, I think they they too could uh, struggle at that time. Although you saw how United just they probably made the case for and against Leipzig, they dismissed them uh, when they came to Old Trafford. It was a four or five nil. Yeah. And then got beaten by them to be knocked out of the Champions League then when they travelled to Leipzig. So you see the good and the bad in Leipzig. And you've seen the good and the bad in Liverpool probably when they beat Crystal Palace 7-0 uh, well, about a month ago. And um, then their subsequent uh, games in the Premier League where they went drawing Newcastle, drawing against West Brom, um, drawing at United and pretty poor. Lucky to get a draw against United at the weekend. So that that could be a tricky one as well for, for Liverpool. And... Um, Juventus, yeah, they've been there, thereabouts, Ronaldo and etc. But I think no one really comes close to. I think Bayern were head and shoulders above everyone last year, and I think they're still the team to beat. How did you? Uh, how did you see that one? Okay, going? interesting. Yeah, we'll get to maybe my my thoughts on Bayern in a sec. But you mentioned him. You mentioned the man who resurrected uh, the joint or the noisy neighbors from the ashes. The mattress men, as they're known as in Spain, Atletico Madrid, Simeone's going to bring them all the way to the promised land, as you said. I just think this year, if there was any year they were going to do it, this is the year. Liverpool aren't where they were. Bayern, we know how difficult it is to win back-to-back. They're missing, they've left a couple of players go, which I think they could have held on to the likes of Thiago Alaba's going out to Real Madrid as well. It's just so difficult to do to retain the title. And then you have the likes of I just don't think City are really capable um of doing it. Um I just think Alesco, this could be the year knockout style football, cup football, it suits them down to a T with the way they play, they're so well drilled. Okay, the romantics might not like the idea of them going all the way. But I just, I think they're going to do it this year. They're flying in a league, as you said, two games in hand, four points clear. And just the teams around the Barca are a mess. Um, Real, I just don't think they're there yet. They're kind of rebuilding again. And Juventus, I don't think they have what it takes um, to to reach the pinnacle. So I'm going for let it go. I know it's a little bit of an outside pick, but I, I, I think this year of all years, their best place to do it. They're settled. They've got a manager that's been there now for a long, long time. They, we saw what they did to Liverpool last year. I think I think they have a really, really, really good chance of going all the way. They play Sevilla in the last 16. Uh, or not Sevilla, Chelsea, as you said. Sorry, um, got mixed up there for a second. Chelsea are all over the place as well. I think, I think this is the year. I would make a shout as well, a dark horse. For either Sevilla or Dortmund, I think both those teams are teams to look out for. Haaland can win a game on his own. And if Sancho is interested mm. in performing, then um, they could go a long way. And Sevilla yeah. just love European football. So it's an interesting one this year, though, the I think Champions Sevilla, League, I think. Sevilla, Sevilla would be a strange one, considering they usually love the uh, Europa League. So yeah. it would be strange for them to be in the Champions League. They won't know what they're at. But if they can replicate some of their form, they'll certainly take a lot of beating. But uh, yeah, Dortmund echo that as well I think Dortmund could have a lot to say they have a very exciting team at the moment a lot of young yada. Like they always seem to just have those like wherever top players in Europe they always just seem to not like gravitate towards Dortmund whatever their recruitment strategy is they always seem to be there and then they always seem to command an absolutely outrageous transfer fee if you ever want to try and buy them off them but um, I suppose they just reinvest it well then and find the next best like they signed Jude Bellingham from Birmingham and he's after slotting in there now and getting a few First team appearances, so like no doubt United or Chelsea or someone will try and buy him for about 200 million in a few years again. Like, it was just they've got a good system going over there and they seem to be strong again now. They were strong a few years ago under Jurgen Klopp and they seem to be building again now. So that would be interesting to see how far they go. Do you give Pochettino any chance of uh, no. salvaging PSG? 
I just they don't seem think... to be a rotten, yeah, yeah, they seem to be a rotten club the last few years. Yeah. They just never seem to have the like the the, the metal, the, the balls as you'd want to yeah. for lack of a better phrase, they just never seem <laughs> to have when the chips are down, they never seem to have it, you know. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the reason why I decided not to not to I wouldn't be surprised if Barca turned them over, to be honest, in the last sixteen, mm-hmm. but we'll have to wait and see. And then finally in soccer and the one event that's probably even kind of gone under the radar now is the Euros because it was postponed from last year with the pandemic and there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of hype about it. I guess the fact that in all likelihood there'll be no fans there. But for me, it's a very open tournament and um, I might lead us off on this one. We mentioned the French club there. I'm going with France to continue their domination uh, on the international stage. Yeah. I think they're just in that period right now. They you know Paul Barting will want to prove a point. He loves playing for France. He's a good relationship with uh, Didier Deschamps. Could be coming off a title-winning team. Who knows? Fingers crossed from a United point of view. Mbappe. Um, <laughs> Mbappe, I think um, you know he's a joy and he's just one of the best players in the world. And he's so intelligent as well. That like the, the Giroud is just seems to turn up for France as well. He loves. Loves playing for his country. He always um, gives 100% on, on the international stage for him. Martial didn't even get into the squad for the World Cup, yeah. which is scary, really, defensively. Lacazette got... didn't get into the squad either. Yeah. The Arsenal man in there. Yeah, <laughs> it's just... It's scary, the strength and depth that they have. Yeah. Um, and they're, I just think ferocious. it's their time. It's their time. And for me, it's, it's going to be France. Yeah, I think I'd make the case for Holland, except for unless Vir- like if Virgil can, Van Dijk can be back in time, then I think they have a more of a chance. But I think without without him, it's like Liverpool's title chances, and I think Holland's chances at Euro twenty twenty one, and as they're now called, I think are severely impacted with the la- without him. Spain, they seem to be building again, um, but again not quite. I think France are just further down the line. I'm sure there'll be plenty of England fans making the case for England or Gareth Southgate. They seem to be a better team than they have been in recent years at the international level coming after their last success in the World Cup and then they made the final of the Nations League. I think Portugal could um, have a lot to say again. They beat France in the last Euros and I think they're um, they're just very well organised and always seem to just... like I think I watched them against Croatia in the Nations League game. They battered Croatia that night. They just seem to have a lot of very, very, very good players and great depths. Like Bruno, um, or what's his name, the lad for Man City. Um, Ruben Diaz is there as well. Ruben, well, they have, yeah. sorry, they have several. Uh, Bernardo Silva was there, I was thinking. So of. many, like the, it is. Bernardo yeah. Silva, um, the, was it Rodri as well? Um, and Ruben Diaz as well, like another exceptional young player coming through. So, they just seem to be getting better and better as well. And they're very, all those experience. This very interesting group. Yeah, they're in a very interesting group as well because it's France, Germany and Portugal in the group of yeah. death. So yeah. I think I think Germany, I think despite me, despite us singing their praises at club level, I think at international level, I don't know, they, they, they still lack that number nine, like Werner. I've never really been a fan of this in this season, yeah. which Chelsea has just backed up my views. Um, I think I saw him in the World Cup and um, before he went to Chelsea and I just was never impressed with him. Um and I just think Germany always lacked that killer that killer edge. Even when they were at their best, they always like they used to have was a Miroslav Klosa leading the line, like even when they were at their prime, like they just never seemed to have that that number nine, that front man that's always like that's the breadwinner at, at, at any level in soccer. You have to have someone who puts the ball in the back of the net like and for all their great playing, it's just why I would have a question mark over uh, Germany. I think France and Portugal will probably get through that group. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if they went their separate ways then in the knockout stages and met again in the final. Who knows? I, I can't wait for it anyway. And it's, it's going to be uh, some spectacle. But uh, I think we'll move on because uh, we've got uh, the GA. So it really so is. It's, it's just a, the year that's in it. It's going to be a year on the couch, I think, to be honest. Uh, what <laughs> the looks of it. Um, I could really use a run, I can tell you. Uh, I, I need to, <laughs> on a side note, uh, I need to get out. I need to leave the house over the next few days. But anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. I mean, look, we'll start with the football. Is there any ca- basically? Is there any case to be made for anyone other 
Dublin. Other than Dublin, yeah, I suppose that that is the best place to start. Um, well, their main competitors last year, Mayo, have been hit hard by retirements, as we've seen with Joe Brawley giving out about the amount of retirements that have been <laughs> appearing on social media. He's fed up with it. I can see his point to some degree, but in fairness to that Mayo team, they, they were absolute stalwarts to the county. Um, they've lost, they've lost a lot of their kingpins, so it would be it would be a struggle for them to get up to that level again. I think the only team you can really come to um, and mount a strong argument for is Kerry. They'd want to start winning their first round next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think they'll have spent a long summer or a long, long summer, a long winter licking their wounds after that court beat. I'm sure they um, they had their head down for a lot of the, the winter now, just trying to get back on whatever whether they're training on their own or in the collective, who knows, with the, those folk down there, they know that they found some pitch somewhere. The Q, the Q Kerryman. Yeah, um, know that they found some pitch somewhere. But um, that's, a, that's an argument for another day. Cork really hadn't. <laughs> As seen down in the scenes down in y'all. But um, I think the argument has to be said for Kerry. Um, again, they've lost a few players. Um, Jonathan Lyon. Um, is it Shay, Shane Griff? Then is he the full the full back anyway? I can't remember his name precisely, but he's gone as well. Um, but they have a lot of young players coming through, and I just think that they're 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 the next best thing to Dublin. And if Dublin are going to get beat, it's probably going to be by Kerry. But in all honesty, you, I just can't see this. Like, uh, there's not much enthusiasm in what I'm saying because, to be honest, we're all sick of Dublin. They're boring and they're sh- <laughs> they're good to watch, but at the same time. They're not that. It's not that great for the sport that they're so dominant. You want to see like the Premier League. You want to see five or six teams competing, and you just can't see it happening. In all honesty. Yeah, I think the only thing that I can see, I'm I'm trying to look at the exciting prospects or side stories rather than maybe the main contenders because that's the only thing you in terms of positive vibes. That's the only thing you can really do. Tyrone could be interesting with their Connor McKenna stay home now to play their forward line looks like it could be exciting and a new management team as well in Fergal Logan and uh, Brian Dewar Donegal as far as I'm concerned are gone past this in my opinion <laughs> they just they don't seem to be able to do it when it when it counts they've lost last three years they've been described as the team to put it up to Dublin and they failed of even getting to a semi-final so for me they're, they're not going to be there, thereabouts. Um, yeah, I mean, it, Galway could be interesting. They were an exciting team before the pandemic hit. They could, I think, challenge Mayo anyway in Connacht. Um, that could be a competitive. We'll have to wait and see. I think they are a team that could um, become semi-finalists. Like, a quick word, it hasn't been the best to start uh, for Cork, as you outlined yourself there. Where where do you think they could end up this year? Ronan McCarthy, I think, staying on is a good thing just for the continuity. Two more years, Cork football needs continuity, and at least we have that now. Yeah, I think it was a good thing too. Talking to anybody in, like involved in the Cork setup, I think he seems to be uh, a good a good manager and, and someone who the the players like having around. So once there's um, once the players want him, once he's happy to keep going, I, I say keep him there. And um, yeah, hopefully they can kick on from their Kerry win last year and forget about their. I suppose we saw the good and the bad with Cork last year, and hopefully they can focus more on the good and forget about the Tipperary game. And hopefully it was just. To, hopefully we we'll look back in this few years and just think of it as a speed bump on the way to uh, great success for Cork from uh, myself and yourself's point of view. Anyway, but um, yeah, it's hard to see. It'd be interesting to see how they get on up in League Division Two now. First of all and see how they get on there, and how, can they hold their own at a higher grade last year. Like, it was all well and good winning Division 3, but, like, you you and me and the dogs on the street know Cork should be at a higher grade than that. Um, and, look, they, they did the job in the end, but now this is the year for them to kick on in Division 2 and compete at a higher level and test themselves and test the younger players coming through and breaking onto the panel. And then see how they get on there, and hopefully off the back of the... They can even... You know, break even, win as much games as they lose in Britain Division Two, and just hold their status this year. It'd be great if they can do better than that. Fantastic, and then um, it'd be interesting to see how the championship is run off this year. Whether it's straight knockout again, or there's a back door if it's straight knockout. Um, yeah, it could be. It could be interesting to see if they get on against Kerry this year with Kerry with the point to prove a bit in their teeth from last year. But um, I suppose last year will just serve to give Cork the belief that they can go in on a big day. And go toe to toe with Kerry and come out away, come out with a victory. 
which would have uh, only served them well. And I suppose if you were looking back for a silver lining, maybe then the Tipperary game was a good one to give them a bit of grounding in that. If they can be as good as that against Kerry, they can beat anyone. If they're as bad as what they were against Tip, they can lose to anyone. So that's kind of that's kind of yeah. where Cork stand this year. Well said. Yeah, definitely. Um, now moving on to the, the small ball. Okay, Limerick, are we got, are we seeing the beginning of a dynasty here? Have you gone for them in your pick? Is it is this going to be their their era now of dominance? Yeah, I think um, from what I was sort of looking at from the hurling championship, I was saying challenges there there for Limerick. Can they can they establish uh, dominance? Can they leave a, a mark in their like in the the histories of in the history of hurling? Can they say that this decade was for them? They have a team at the average age of twenty three or twenty four. And all in phenomenal, like physical condition uh, team. I don't think they, anyone's really seen a physicality of that level at inter county uh, hurling, um, all end um, hurling level. And it's just, it's there for them really if they can like stay with the consistency that they've shown um, the last few years, other than their blip, I suppose, the, in the year before last, uh, losing to Tip. But um, I think if the challenge is there for them, can they? Can they just can they be the the Kilkenny of the two thousand of the late two thousands, um, and can can they uh, can they just build on like they're clearly the best I think. Uh, Tip will do their best to try and minimise the gap, but I think Tip are a good bit behind them. Uh, they certainly were this year anyway. They have an ageing squad, I think. Is yeah, Liam Sheen Galway. needs to start bringing through those those under twenties anyway. But um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, Galway as well, yeah. Galway were like they'll always be thereabouts again, I guess, because the competition in Leinster isn't that strong other than Kilkenny. So it's going to be Galway, Kilkenny, and the Munster teams really. Um, and I just Cork, they're probably in a I don't know they're in a precarious enough position. I think there's not not a huge amount of options in Cork. I know they brought in Don O'Grady, which I suppose would be a big big bonus to them and kind of use his wisdom. Uh, but Cork just just don't seem to be at that level yet. You got to hope that some of the like they have a few young players, not a lot of young players, given the success they've had. Can they bring through more young players? And can the young players they brought in, in the last year or two can they keep building? I guess Mark Coleman. Um, I think they have two All Star nominations: Mark Coleman being one, and Shane Kingston being the other. And can they, I guess, use those players? And and can some of the other young players come in and have? As, as much success as they have had at senior level is where Cork stand, but I just can't see past Limerick at the moment. I have a hot take. Well, not a hot take. That's been dramatic. But I'm, I have okay. I have Limerick down as my winner as well. But my second favourites are, are I, I've I put Cork. The reason being, if you look at the other team, just compare ourselves to the other teams around the country. Like Kilkenny, the players just aren't there, I don't think, at the moment. Cody... There's been kind of reports of a rift between himself and the players. Maybe has he gone on one or two years too long? Who knows? That's a conversation for another day, I guess. Watford, who knows? Again, Tip, I just think they're too old. I think they're going to have to try and rebuild again. Um, Limerick are probably the best, yeah, most prime. That's why I went for them. But Cork, like I was, a lot of players, well, not a lot, but a couple of players have left, like Stephen uh, McDonald. Antine Ash, and okay, you could look at that and say, Oh, well, look, they're clearly in transition now. But I was looking at some of the just the ins and outs of us, and the, the stats Cork only have six players over the age of 25 go on the panel of this year. They've set up a separate then development panel to kind of bridge that gap between the under 20 and the senior ranks because there's so many promising players coming through from the under 20s, like the likes of Jack O'Connor. Um, and so many others um, that are there. I think the Donald Grady thing will either prove to be kind of a disaster, as if, or like, why are you bringing in this guy who did it 15 years ago? Or it could prove to be a masterstroke because he's a fantastic hurling brain ahead of his time, brought in professionalism basically to uh, hurling back in 2003 when he took over. So I think, you know, they might not be too far away. We saw it with Limerick in 2018. No one thought they were going to win the All-Ireland that year. But when you bring a young, hungry team with an innovative coach, you can see what what can happen. And, um, you know, Patrick Horgan doesn't have too long left. I think he's going to be inspired 
um, or this year and next year, he's probably two or three years left in 33. He will want to, he, like, yeah. it will be a travesty if you retire in no, All-Ireland. I think there'd be no one in Cork where there wouldn't be a dryer in the place if he didn't, like, if he if he won his All-Ireland that he so, so much deserves. At this stage, he's been such a servant. But um, I suppose you're talking about some surprise packages and um, the team we haven't mentioned yet that has slipped under the radar was last year's surprise package in Ward for getting all the way to the final. And uh, it's just, I suppose, neither of us have really included them, as I mentioned. But I think they could be interesting to see how they get on. Can they um, can they live up to as well as they did last year? I know the last time they made the final, they didn't really do much again and they just faded into, faded into the wilderness. But it'd be interesting to see can they back up their um, their success from last year and uh, go one step further in the, from their point of view and see if they can go all the way. Yeah, who knows? It'll be um, they'll have a couple of players. Well, I know that their, their goalkeeper O'Keefe he's going to be gone. Stephen O'Keefe from this year and he's he will be a loss. But um, you know, that Park O'Mani will be coming back in. He's a, a fantastic uh, hurler. So you know. It's about trying to make sure, I guess, if they have a full panel to choose from, Tyke de Burke, if he comes back, and um, injury-free. exceptional last year, yeah. Yeah, like that, I think they're the things that need to go right for Waterford, and if they do, then absolutely, they'll be right up there, I think, uh, next year as well. And uh, I don't think we'd begrudge Waterford and All-Ireland, you know, 1959 was the last time they were able to get over the line, so, um, yeah, knows? Yeah, just, yeah, the thing about the GA, I think, hurling and football last year, I think was that, a lot of like a lot of them. It was just one game, and you're out. So I don't know. A, a lot of counties will have gone home, probably saying they didn't get the fair craft whip. Um, well, not even saying they didn't get the fair craft whip, but they had a lot more to to give. And I suppose maybe they've they've been thinking all all winter about how they're going to do better next year and using it as motivation. And I suppose there's there's, there's probably a lot of teams out there with a point to prove this year, and that will just be interesting to know where where we could be discounting teams that could have a lot to say and uh, like motivation is uh, is a it's a it's a powerful thing to have and when you're determined and when everyone's working for a common goal and everyone's at the right mentality then it can carry you a long way and uh, be interesting to see who, like who the surprise factors are this year there invariably will be but uh, it's just interesting to see who like who would have predicted Cavan and Tip last year you know so it'd be interesting to see who this who 2021's Cavan and Tip will be Absolutely. Well said. And um, that's the joys of the championship. Now, we might get on to the Olympics very quickly in a moment, but um, briefly as well, uh, just one more sport we want to touch on, of course, is the tennis. And uh, there's been drama already at the Australian Open. Uh, certain Novak Djokovic has been kicking up another fuss. But uh, I'll try and hide the anger from my tone of voice for a moment. But I guess the main question here is, outside of the big two, Will there be a, a Grand Slam winner out of the big three? Federer, actually. I mean, maybe it's the big two at this stage. Federer, we don't know what's going to happen with him with his injury. Don McTeam, is he going to firmly establish himself um, as uh, a global or as a tennis uh, superstar to take over that mantelpiece of the top um, player in the world? Personally, I have him down here to win the Australian Open. So uh, I think it could be his time. Uh, yeah, what, what do you think? Yeah, he was a finalist there last year, beating Nadal in the semi-final, lost to Djokovic in five. And I think everyone was crying out for a new winner like Djokovic. It is remarkable his record down under. Um, but I think everyone was crying out for a new winner after he beaten Nadal. You're like, right, this is his time now to really establish himself. He's always been successful at Roland Garros. Can he establish himself in Australia? Just wasn't to be Djokovic. Just outlasted him in five. Um, thankfully, team finally got a Grand Slam in the US Open this year, but that has the asterisks with it that neither Nadal nor Djokovic nor Federer nor Murray were playing in it. I'm oh, sorry, Djokovic was, but he got disqualified or whatever, so he didn't beat Djokovic. Um, that's another story. Again. Um, but I'd actually make the case for Medvedev, Daniel Medvedev, coming off the back of his success in the World Tour Finals at the end of the year in December in the O2 in London. He... Um, he lost um, a very tight game to team in the US Open, or a very tight game to Nadal in the US Open the year before, um, when Nadal won his uh, most recent US Open title. But he's just kicked on uh, last year, and he um, he just seems like the next best. I just I think team 
like Keane is that bit older than him. So I think Keane, even if he was to win one or two, I just don't think it's there for him to dominate. I think there'd be there'd be a major like sort of power struggle at the top of tennis. Really, I don't think it's there for any one man to take over. But I think um, Medvedev is the man. I think the next best or the best of the rest. Um, I think he he beat Team in the final in London, and I think he's just got that just sheer doggedness really. Um, he has no real like spectacular shot. I think his best asset is his his mentality. He comes across as crazy sometimes, but I suppose we all are in the tennis court, myself included. Um, but he just seems to outlast people and just has that just has that mentality to like if no matter what you can show him if he's in the mood and if he's playing well, he can outlast you, which is like something Nadal would have brought to the table really in tennis for the first time. And I think Medvedev uh, is kind of made from the same like cut from the same cloth in that regard. Um, Sitsi Pass be interesting to see who he gets on this year as well same age roughly as Medvedev but the other name I would like to see win on this year would be Jan Sinner youngest man in the top 50 um, only really came onto my radar because of his game against Nadal and Roland Garros but he's just got a huge game um, so that's like I think if there was a new a new dominant force I'd just love to see it a, a breakout just, a breakout yeah, star I, think this, I guess I yeah. think I think this could be his breakout season. Youngest man in the top 50, as I said, 19 years of age. I think this could be the year Jan Sinner really like staked his claim on the, the world at the tip-top level of, of men's tennis. Yeah, that's a very interesting call, I think. I like that one. I think that's a great shout. We'll be definitely seeing a lot more from him. And he's kind of, if you want to tailor, if you want to make the kind of the modern tennis player or modern kind of physical build that's nearly kind of what you're looking for, the prototype, big, but agile, quick. And yeah, as you said yourself there, a, a, a big game. So um, yeah. I think... Six foot seven, but he moves like he's about six foot two, six mm. foot... Even he looks like he moves like he's not even six foot. You know, he's so agile around the court and so powerful still, you know, to have that combination. And um, he's just electric to watch. So it'll be very interesting to see his progress this year. Definitely. Now, I know we've been on for a while, but uh, time flies when you're having fun, as you say. But uh, we might just get a quick word on the Olympics as well. I mean, the fact that we're nearly be off for it's just the, the quality of sport this year is fantastic. And we've been on an hour and we're only an hour we get into the Olympics, the, the most watched sporting event every four years. I guess two main questions here. Now, one is only a really a rough estimate, but... Do you think Ireland will win a gold medal uh, in some sports uh, this year? We haven't won too many of them. Um, I'd be hopeful, yes. I think we um, we could definitely get one or two in the rowing. I think that's that seems to be our new forte. Taking over from boxing as Ireland's like we're still very very good at boxing, and hopefully we win medals there too. But it just seems to be rowing. Sunita Perspore especially, and then the O'Donovan brothers, um, and then there's more than just the O'Donovan brothers from um, Skibbereen Rowing Club. Um, but hopefully hopefully they um, they bring home more than just the one. It'd be great. Like Ireland got one last in the last Olympics with Katie Taylor. It'd be great. Or not, the last Olympics, one in 2012, and they got none in 2016. It'd be great to see them get one or two now this, um, in this Olympics. But um, who do you have as our, uh, as our main medal contenders? Yeah, like for me... There's a, a a few thing important like points to here to make, and I do think we will win a gold. I, I'm going to be a little bit. I'm always a little bit maybe too ambitious when it comes to the Olympics because with Ireland especially, something always seems to go wrong in, in some shape or form. In '96, we had Sonia Sullivan in Atlanta and um, getting sick in the in the final. She was going to run away with that uh, race to win gold. Didn't happen. Uh, in 2004, we had Keen O'Connor had won a gold medal for Ireland in Athens in the equestrian, and then his horse test positive for drugs, opens up on another massive can of worms there. But um, Michelle then, Smith, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's that's a conversation for another day. Even there, we also had you know Beijing athletes putting out left, right, and in, in, in centre, and just kind of struggling with the heat. Rob Heffernan in the pole position to win a medal game, disqualified um, with kilometres to go. And he was on the verge of winning gold. Um, 2020, 2012, okay, was was okay. 2016, a disaster with the boxing. The judges just, I mean, that is, it was just, it was awful. We only ended up with two medals. I just, I think this could definitely be our, our most successful Olympics ever. 
we have to strive to have to win more than three medals uh, in the Olympics Games. In my opinion, for a, a country that has so many talented athletes, that's not good enough. We need to be winning at least five medals at every Olympic Games. Some big names to look out for, you've already mentioned, rowing, boxing, I think massive hopes there with the likes of Kelly Harrington, especially in the boxing, uh, along with the rowers, to win gold there, potentially. Uh, I think she will win gold, along with two uh, rowing gold medals. Other ones to look out for, Reese McLenahan in gymnastics. This guy is a superstar, only 20 years of age, um, has won world silver medals, um, European gold medals. He's won Commonwealth uh, gold medals as well. This guy on the pommel horse in particular, that's a, a, an athlete to look out for this year. Uh, gymnastics, I think, could explode in Ireland when they see this guy perform. Uh, two other notable athletes to look out for um, in the modern pentathlon. For anyone who doesn't know that, it's basically um, five different sports. Um, it's got a lot of history behind it. We've got horse racing, shooting, running, fencing, and we've got two top athletes in that. Arthur Lanigan O'Keefe and Natalia Coyle, both of them finished in the top 10, the last two Olympics, serious prospects uh, going into this one and always successful on the global stage. Athletics, who knows what could happen there. Um, Thomas Barr, Kier McGean is in the prime of her life. They could hopefully reach finals of their respective disciplines in the 400 metre hurdles and the 1500 metres. And there's just the golf as well. Rory McIlroy, Shane Larry teaming up. Who knows what could happen there? Um, I think they're, they're in with a great shout for an Olympic gold. There's, there's so much. There's, honestly, I think we've got the, the strength and depth that's there now in this Irish Olympic team is fantastic. You know, the hockey team, if they could go on a run like they did in 2018, you know, the women's team, they have a fantastic chance, I think, as well, of having a say. So there's so much to look forward to. And that's only touching the iceberg. I, I seriously think um, we could have a great year. I guess the one caveat is it's a year later than expected. So how many of these athletes were peaking for 2020 and now they have to try and do it all over again? I did, That, for me, could be could be the one spanner in the works. Yeah, you've given it a great summary there now. Um, there's names that I wasn't quite aware of. But uh, now I'm... I, You've sold it to me. I'm, I'm as excited as, uh, as I could be about the Olympics. I wish the Olympics was starting tomorrow to see some of these some of these names in action uh, that I'd actually forgotten about. Um, the Irish ladies hockey team who were very successful in the World Championship in 2018. Can they go one better maybe this year? Although the Dutch were very impressive on that occasion. But still, if they were even to get on the podium, it'd be incredible for them again. Um, and uh, I think uh, honourable mention as well for maybe some of the sailing um, members. Think yeah, yeah exactly. Again. Forgot, yeah. completely forgot about yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the, the, it, that is true. And Ireland is really such a sporting nation in strength and depth, often not reflected really in the Olympics, I guess. Um, but some of our sports, you know, I don't know, not really being in the Olympics or whatever, I don't know. At, like, obviously, we can't have any GA in the Olympics. Like, horse racing would be, been, uh... we've been going, yeah, horse racing and Imagine. a lot of horse training and stuff like that. You know, like, AP would we, just, he'd be, yeah, he'd be mopping yeah. up. So, a lot of our most successful sports probably don't, we don't get as much representation in the Olympics or whatever, but, um, no, it'd be great to see some success across the board. Not, it'd be great to see success in the traditional, like, boxing and, Rowing, which has now become one of our staples, but to have it across the board, it like to have a gymnastics medal would be incredible. Or to even get like having in the final of gymnastics or something, it'd be it would just be something different, you know. And um, I think the country's crying out for something like that. Uh, like you could talk with cycling men as well with the Sam Bennett's sprint to a cycling gold medal. Who knows? Yeah, that's it. And now I know we've been on for a while, but it's been a, a brilliant to catch up and call. Dear, is there any final? Words or any kind of final events you'd like to just give a, a brief mention today you're looking forward to to watching or we, do you think we've covered everything that needs to be covered? I think we've covered everything really. I know one event I'm looking forward to is the Super Bowl. I think we talked about it just before Christmas or whatever, but I've been watching a lot of the NFL over the Christmas period. The Americans have a bit more of a cavalry approach to COVID, I guess, and uh, they're kind of going ahead <laughs> all guns blazing. So that'll be one game I'm looking forward to. My own beloved Steelers were beaten, but... Um, it's just interesting to see how that will who will take home the uh, Vince Lombardi Trophy, as it's called, um, at the start of February. But um, no other than that, I think we've uh, pretty well covered um, 
I think our crystal balls are well and truly used up at this stage. I think we've we've thrown our two cents at everything. Um, did you have anything else you'd like to throw throw more two cents at? <laughs> I think we've. Uh, I think we'll we'll have um, nearly destroyed the listeners' ears if we if we. Uh, yeah, their ears going. are bleeding at the moment at this stage. I'd so, say. <laughs> uh, but um, absolutely pr- uh, pleasure as always, James. And uh, sure, who knows? We might come back for another lockdown special over the next few weeks and if there's uh, any listeners out there with any ideas or uh, anything they'd like to, to hear on, on the podcast you know, hit us up and uh, you know, it will give us something to, to do and hopefully we've provided you with a bit of entertainment uh, so stay safe and uh, try and uh, enjoy yourself if you can over the, the weeks and months ahead so James, chat soon and uh, 2021